So I was a young player, obviously not playing at that point. Rob was the guy, the starter. So whenever Rob Windsor needed pregame, oh, you know, man. it was my job to make sure he was ready, right? So Rob Windsor would come get me from my locker, would find me and would work on pass rush moves on my wrist, which sounds very calm. You must, you <laughs> may have, nothing calm about You may have it. never had a 300-pound man karate chopping your arm for 30 can we show minutes. Him? Can we show him? No, we cannot show him. Absolutely I think we not. Show I still have wrist problems to this day <laughs> from the way you used to attack uh, my I would just, I would just have you put your hands out, man. And he would just, he's doing whatever. It's ridiculous. <laughs> and um, you would have your wrist so tight. Oh, my up, goodness. Man. The trainers would be so mad at me because I wasn't playing in the game. And they knew I wasn't playing in the game. And I'd come back there like, tape my wrists. Tape my wrists more. They're like, what are you even getting your wrist tape for? I'm like, you have no idea, you have what no idea what's through. about to happen to you me. Got no <laughs> clue. everybody big news coming out of the lion's den podcast we officially have our own merch that we're getting ready to put out make sure to go cop yours link is in the description below these proceeds help us produce this podcast bring on a-list guests and these proceeds also help penn state nil as a whole go get yours and tag us on social media we'll give you a shout out on the pod looking forward to seeing you wearing the lion's den merch exclusively welcome back Another episode of The Lions, and I'm Aeneas Hawkins, and I'm joined today by, you know, let, let me just say this now. I had a lot of OGs when I first got to Penn State, a lot of older players that took me under their wings, none like the man, the myth, the legend, Rob Windsor, all the way from Fond du Lac, Wisconsin. Rob. Yes, sir. Appreciate you joining us on the den today, man. Yeah, man. Drove 10 hours from Fond du Lac to be here, Just man. for this podcast. Just for this Has podcast. Has nothing to do with the Penn State-Michigan game. Nothing you to do with the Penn State for- game. Not, nothing, you know, James called me up, too. He's like, hey, Rob. You know, big game, we need you here. I'm like, say less, James, I'm here. Just like that. Just like that. I want to take you back to 2018 when I got on campus. Mm. There are a lot of, you know, speculations about the type of player I was, my work ethic, all these types of things that we've had the discussion about on this podcast. As an older guy when I got in, what do you remember about our relationship and who I was? I mean, you were just a good vibe guy. You like to work hard. Come on. And like we we climb, we like to clown you a little bit, just a little bit, just a little bit. You remember the nickname that you guys gave me my freshman year? So so hold on, we, we're gonna we're gonna get back to this. So we had a, we had a day we're watching film. You know it's Lions Den. You know Hawk takes an L, okay. and, and he wasn't in the room at this time. And now he just walks in the room, and we had our OG Jimmy Kennedy, first, Jimmy Kennedy. first round draft pick. Shout out Grizz, yeah. Shout out Grizz, and and Hawk walks in the room. He's like Hawk, you look like a meatball, man. man. And then we all just started laughing, and then from then on, his name was Meatball. That name stuck around far too long, by the way. I, I went hard in the weight room to slim down, and I did slim down, <laughs> and even then, I was still Meatballed every day. I, you're still Meatball to me, man. No. You'll always, no. You'll always be Meatball to me, bro. You can't keep calling me Meatball. It's not going to be acceptable. Oh, man. I, I do remember, you know, being a young guy, and I had Devon Elise on here yesterday. Okay. And what we talked about was having a process and learning yeah. how to go about your business, and I will say... P.J. Mustafer, Judge Culpepper, and I, every day, religiously, would follow you around the Lash Building. Do you remember that? I do. I do. And uh, I was uh, very methodical with my routine and almost a little bit over the top. I think, remember when I would drive you guys around, yep. I would play those motivational podcasts every time we yeah. get in the car. I, every time we got in the car, we could be going to eat, we could be going to church. It didn't matter where we were going. We it's had like, motivation. It's like David Goggins. Screaming at me. <laughs> Max volume every day every in day. Rob's car. I mean, do you remember the oh. cold tubs? And for those of you who haven't been in a cold tub, it's very popular on social media right now. Everybody's doing oh. the cold plunges. That's nothing new. No. And it was new when I got to school. It used to make us get in the tub, not only to our waist like normal no. people, 
to the neck. You would make us go to our chin in <laughs> freezing water, yeah. and you make us also jump in the cold tub, not walking. <laughs> a cannonball in that thing. <laughs> we're a no, we're trying to shock the nervous system. That's all, and we shocked it. Oh, we did. Best we believe did. we shocked yeah, it. And uh, people, you know, I even when I got to the Colts, uh-huh. and I was still doing that, and everyone, all the all pros, are in there up to their waist, just getting their legs. They're like, who is this crazy guy? Right. Just laying in there up to his neck. I remember I was in there in the morning. And, you know, I didn't really speak to anybody. I'm just a rookie, you know, six-round draft pick. Phillip Rivers just starts laughing at me. He comes he's like, geez, what you doing over there, man? He's like, I'm going to let you enjoy yourself. I'm like, I just shake my head. What is that like being a rookie and you got Phillip Rivers coming in the cold tubs and clowning you? I mean, you know, you just, everyone has their own process and you just believe in yours because right. that's what got me there. So I'm not going to switch it. Not changing it now, Exactly. Man. I want to get into your story a little bit. It, it's definitely intriguing. Fond du Lac, Wisconsin. Mm. I don't know where that is on a map. I couldn't tell you. No. But I got a lot of respect for it because of the way you handle your business. So talk to us a little bit about your journey to Penn State. Okay, so um, a lot of, I'm a big believer in manifestation. Mm. Everything in my life that I have right now, I've manifested. And uh, I remember I'd be in my weight room. You know, I was a junior. You know, I was getting recruited by NDSU. It was my only offer. And starting my senior year, I fractured my foot. Mm. And it was just like they sent me a letter like, hey, best of luck to you. NDSU did. NDSU did. So they basically were like, "Yeah, no scholarship anymore. Yeah, no, I didn't have one. They just said best of luck. It was almost like, hey, we're not interested anymore. Like, you wow. just broke your foot. So take me through the emotions when that happened. You, you know you have a football dream at this point. You want to go play mm-hmm. big-time football. Mm-hmm. And the one school that's recruiting you basically is like, nah. we're not recruiting you now. Right, right. And that was, just, that was just like, you know, I was hurt for a little bit, but, you know, to get to be the person I am, like, you know, you got to get up and got to overcome that. So my dad's roommate in college was actually the doctor for the Green Bay Packers. My dad's a surgeon. And I went to see him, and I got him to sign me good to play. So I played my senior year with my broken foot, okay. and I just dominated. I would refuse to be refused, mm. right? I had a dream, and I would not let anyone take that dream from me. And the dream was to be a Wisconsin Badger, yep. right? So I, I, you know, first offer comes from Illinois. Um, there's a booster at my game. He was there to actually watch an offensive lineman. I end up eating his lunch, and he's like, hey, who is this guy? Right. Who's recruiting this guy? This guy is a wild man. Wild man Rob. What's up, everybody? If you are a college football fan like me, if you know a college football fan that's in your life, you need to go cop this shirt. New designs dropping all the time. It's the perfect gift with the holiday season coming around. If you don't have this thing, you're missing out. Great material, great fabric. I wear it all the time. Go get yours today. which you are you are a wild man so go ahead and then um you know he looks me up on rivals nothing he's like there's something wrong with the situation he sends my film over to illinois next week they show up and they offer and life just changed like that okay that was october my senior year that was my first offer so growing up in wisconsin obviously wisconsin is the dream I've, you mm-hmm. come to Penn State, mm-hmm. you play at Penn State. Did Wisconsin offer you in high school? They did. did. So you had an opportunity to go there and still chose Penn State. Can you tell us why? Yeah, because, um, you know, when you're, you're, you're a goal chaser, right? People like us, we're goal chasers. So you have a goal. So the goal was to be a Wisconsin Badger. All right, I achieved that goal. Now what's next? I want to go to the NFL. Yep. So what school is going to give me the best opportunity to do that? And I saw Penn State is that opportunity. And yeah. I'm so glad with my decision. Well, and, uh, it, it worked out well. I mean, your time at Penn State, you two-time All-Big Ten. That's right. You are a crucial role, play a crucial role in a Big Ten championship in 2016, mm-hmm. which was monumental in Penn State's football history, considering mm-hmm. what they had just come out of with all of the, the, the things that happened that we don't need to get into details on, but you mm-hmm. bring it full circle. You win a championship. Mm-hmm. 
Talk to me about your experience at Penn State. Take me through that Big Ten championship before we get into anything else. Oh, it was just incredible. Well, I came in in 2015, and, you know, if you look back at that 2016 team and how many guys were in the NFL, that was an NFL football team. Yeah, it was. It was, it was, uh, it was pretty outrageous. It's interesting because there's kind of an underdog narrative painted with that 2016 Penn State football team, and I get it because you start the season rough. yeah. But if you really look at the roster, if you look at who was on that team, from Chris Godwin to Saquon Barkley to Mike Kosicki to Rob, I mean, NFL Kevin talent. Givens, Jason Cabenda, Marcus Allen, a, Grant Haley. A ton like, of NFL starters on yeah, that team. Nick Scott. I like, mean, the come list on. goes on. It's not like you guys. It Ryan wasn't, Bates. Come on, man. Nah. Connor McG- I mean, so many guys that played in the NFL. So really, in hindsight, were you really the underdogs? And honestly, no, we weren't, but... We, we were coming back. That was our comeback. Like, people, we didn't earn respect. Like, respect is never given. And that yep. was when we, Penn State earned that respect. Like, hey, we're here. Yep. We're back. You know what I mean? There was, you know, I remember learning about our history. There was an article after everything that happens, like, we are no more. But, and I remember when we built our new team room, like, this team room is dedicated to the class of 2015 that decided to stay. Yep. And that was the year I came in, was 2015. And just seeing us ignite life back, not only into the football team, but to this town, yeah, it was just amazing. And, yeah. then, and then to see where it's at now. Yeah, and, and not only that, but to get the Big Ten championship against Wisconsin. Oh. Was that a full circle moment for that you? That was incredible. It was that incredible. was incredible, man. Did you go back to Fond du Lac and talk a little? Did you talk uh, I wore my crazy? ring everywhere. I, just, I would walk down UW-Madison just waving my hand, like, like a girl that just got married. I was like, hello, everybody. Hello. Rob Winters back home. I'm back home. I love that. I love that. You, you go all Big Ten twice. Uh, you were a heck of a player. I, I played with you, so I know the type of athlete you were. I know the type of technician you were. Oh. Let's talk about your relationship with Sean Spencer, a guy that we both know and love. I love Spence. Hey, there's nobody like Coach Spence. On I the actually planet. just hit him up yesterday, and, he, and then he's like, wow. And he texts me back. He's like, wow, dog, call wow. you back in a little bit. I love it. Yeah. So, so talk to me about your relationship with Spence as you were a Penn State football player. Man, he was just, he had my back, man. He had my back. You know, I was, when I got to Penn State, I was real immature, made a lot of mistakes. And, you know, I had a lot of growth to do. And he always had my back no matter what. Like, yeah, Rob did something he probably wasn't supposed to be doing, but I'm going to get him right. He let yep. me, he's like, let me handle it. Yep. And he just looked out for me almost like, you know, a, a father or a big bro. Yeah. And, um, you know, that's, and, and now he's a, a genuine friend. Yep. Like I was, uh, you know, I like, I, I love football. I still go around and I volunteer my time and coach. You know, I, I went and saw Coach Banks at University of Tennessee, but I stopped in University of Florida to see him too. And it's just like we pick up right where we left off. There's not a lot of coaches, regardless of the level, who can connect with a young player mm. on that level to not only change the trajectory of their life, their habits, yeah. turn them into an NFL pick, but then to also be a friend post-career. I mean, you know it. In college mm. football, there aren't a ton of guys like that. No. And we're lucky to play for a guy like Spence. Lucky. Blessed. Blessed. That's my dog. Blessed. Shout out Coach Chaos, I'm going to try, try to get down there to see a Florida game, man. Just you got to. Yeah. I told Spence, I'm like, bro, if you need a three technique, call me. I got two <laughs> years, dog. I know you never let me play at Penn State, but that doesn't have to be the case of Florida. I'm growing now. I've been working, dog. Yeah. It's fire on Friday. We got after <laughs> Come on, man. It was a good morning. Definitely a good morning. Yeah. Um, I, I do want to ask you, you mentioned some of the struggles you had as a young player. Mm. Um, on the field, off the field. And you mentioned briefly the growth. Take us through that your freshman year, the growth you had to go on, go through, and how you did it to get to the point where you ultimately were NFL draft pick. Well, you know, 
when I when I left Penn State, you know, I kind of told, you know, you know how everyone writes that note. You know, it's just like I came in a boy and I left a man. Yep. And, you know, there's a lot of pain and a lot of adversity I went through that, you know, forces you to grow. And people aren't usually willing to change unless they're in pain. People don't like being in pain. So I was, I was in a lot of pain, so I changed a lot because yep. of that. Whether it was because, you know, I wasn't being to things on time, so they would run me. Mm-hmm. And then I had to do that. Or, like, for example, I had an undiagnosed sleeping disorder. And, you know, I had to play through that. I, I got that diagnosed, changed my life, got my diet right. And then now I'm just functioning at such a high level because of all the adversity I went through. It, that's, it, that's where the growth happens. Adversity, discomfort. That's the only time growth happens. That's not, that's not just football. That's life. That's a life lesson that you learned yeah. at a young age. Yeah. I do want to ask you, and I, I don't know how you feel about me bringing this up on camera, but you literally may have had, as a young player, the singular most Dom Patrols in Penn State football history. Okay. And let me say, let me... Are you going to tell them what a Dawn Patrol is? So I'm going to break it down to the audience now. Okay. Dawn Patrols are essentially when you do something wrong. It could be anything. Maybe you're late to a meeting. Maybe you miss class. Maybe you get in trouble mm-hmm. off the field. Whatever it may be, you got to go do Dawn Patrol, which is basically just physical punishment the strength staff puts yeah. you through. And you did a lot of them. Can you give us any funny Dawn Patrol stories? Man, there is nothing funny about Dawn Patrol. <laughs> let me tell you. Let me tell you. It was, uh, it was really rough, man. And... Uh, you know, like I said, I had this severe diag- uh, undiagnosed sleeping disorder. So, yeah. um, you know, I kind of knew there was something wrong. I, I'd, like, for example, my roommate, like, we'd have winter workouts. And he'd be, like, shaking me, trying to wake me up. Yeah. But, like, I wouldn't wake up. Right. Like, like I literally have another man mm-hmm. sitting here shaking me, You're trying not. to wake me up, but I was unable to come out of my sleep. It's not normal at all. No, no. And then, obviously, I'm going to be late to things. Right. And then they started, you know, running me in the morning, and it made things worse. And it just got to a point where it's like... I walked in the coach's office and said, hey, man, I really need some help. Yep. Like I, and then I, I went and got a sleeping study. Yep. And they said, hey, this is the most severe case of obstructive sleep apnea we've ever seen. Yeah. And now I sleep with a, a machine every night. Yep. And then that's what, that's, that's what turned the page for Rob Windsor. Yeah. And then he became the guy where guys like Hawk, PJ, and Judge are following yep. him around the building. Yep. Seeing so like, how can I be like this guy? How can I be like Rob Winter? Yeah. Rob? I'm still trying to figure it out, by the way, ladies and gentlemen. <laughs> Every on, day man. I'm trying Come to be on, like Rob. Bro. It is, I mean, it's a good point, though. When you're a young athlete, a college athlete of that, there's so much, uh, you know, emphasis on being tough and yeah. pushing through things and, oh, mm-hmm. nothing's wrong, I'm fine, I just got to be better, I got to wake yeah. up. And it's, you know, because of that culture yeah. and because of that mindset, a lot of times problems go unchecked for a long, long time, time because you think that you can outwork these issues. Right, like, well, to be honest, you know, I've seen, in my time on the team, I've seen plenty of people walk away because they're unable to take it. And I think about what I went through and why I didn't walk away. And it's because I had, you know, like I said, that dream of going to the NFL and I was going to die before I had that dream taken away from me. And, like, that's what it takes. Like, you have a dream and you're going to do whatever it takes to get there. Nothing is going to take that from you. Yep. Nothing. Let's, let's talk about your time in the NFL. You were a six-round draft pick. Mm-hmm. Uh, I still remember your 2018 season being a young guy. It was incredible to watch. I mean, anytime you have an interior lineman mm-hmm. who goes and puts eight and a half sacks on a stat sheet, that's, I mean, that's pretty incredible. You're winning a lot of pass. It's not easy to do inside with all the double teams you oh. face and things that an offense can do to eliminate defensive tackles from the pass game. Mm. But you did it. You found success. And you get drafted by the Indianapolis Colts. Number one, take me through that feeling of getting drafted and, ha- and having that dream be realized. Mm. And then number two, take me through your time in the NFL. So, um, you know, obviously it was a lot of hard work, a lot, a lot of coming, you know, a lot of time coming. So it's like 
2018, I'm the starter now. Like, I just completely stopped going out. I'm like, I'm straight about my business. Nothing else matters but this. Like, this is my time. It's time to take advantage of it. And that was the only thing I, I thought about. Um, and then, you know, like you said, eight and a half sacks. I think might might have been seven and a half. But all Big Ten player, followed up in the 2019 season, all Big Ten, get drafted. And, uh, you know, that feeling was surreal. It's like a tear comes to your eyes. I've worked for this my whole life, and now this is real. And I got to share that moment with my family. But then it was like an hour or so, or like the next day, it's like you're back in work. Yeah, you go to work. Like, like okay, cool, I, I got drafted, but, like, time to go to work. Time to go get that roster spot. And then um, my time in the NFL was very interesting because I got drafted in 2020. Yeah, COVID time. Yeah. COVID, okay. Yeah, yeah. So it was, uh, it was very different, not your typical NFL experience. Well, how so? What about COVID made it a different experience as a rookie? Well, um, first of all, we didn't have preseason games, right? So NFL is very business-oriented. Yes, and is. something I tell a lot of these young athletes, especially at the collegiate level, making the, the roster is not about being the best player. Like, a lot, I see a lot of these kids like, oh, I'm better than him. I'm better than him. Like, I'll be on an NFL team. Like, that, like you may be better than him, but you, that does not mean you're going to be on the roster. Yep. That's just not how it works. There's a lot of things that come into play. And like I said, it's a business. So usually, like, the way you get signed to a team is, like, you need to put yourself in a position that, hey, either you sign me or this team is going to sign me. Yep. So without having preseason games, I wasn't really able to show other teams what I was able to do. But I had a great camp. Yeah. You know? I was doing my thing, pass rushing as an interior D lineman. Yep. Uh, I was rotating in with the ones at one point, like going against the starters and scrimmages. Yep. And um, <clears throat> they told me, like, when they brought me in, they're like, hey, like, we'd probably have to sign you if other teams saw your film. But they didn't. Right, so we're not. So we're going to put you on P-Squad. <laughs> right. Yeah. It, that's, which is so insane because it's so important. For, for those of you listening, the preseason is the only way. That it's other teams way. can see you, that other people can see who you are as an athlete. Joint practices. Joint practices, mm -hmm. all of those things. And you didn't have any of that with None. COVID. So the Colts were only the, the only Colts ones knew. with that film. They, right. You were a secret. Right. Oh, we got, the, we got the big cheese. We're going to keep that uh, secret over there. Yeah, he's yeah. ours. We'll keep developing on the practice squad. So you spend that year on the practice squad. Now, you did play. Oh, I played in two games. Yeah, I was about to say, you played in a couple regular games. I got a couple games. snaps. I tackled, you know, I, the first game I played was pretty cool. I played against the Packers. Yeah, again, full yep. circle. Yep. Uh, you know, I, had, I remember I was in for, like, two plays. Mm -hmm. Second play, I tackle Aaron Jones, second down, like, for no gain. And then we end up getting a, a stop, getting them off the field. I'm like, oh, okay, cool, that's uh -huh. what's up. Next, next week, I'm playing the Tennessee Titans. Yep. Get a nice little tackle on Derrick Henry. I'm like, oh, they ain't as tough as he say he is. Okay, oh, yeah, okay, <laughs> so you tackled Derrick Henry. Yeah. So, I mean, to the, I mean, to me and to the viewers back home, you look at Derrick Henry on TV. Yeah. He's like a freight train. He's, He's a, a freight giant. Train. Is yeah. he as big in person? No, is he as advertised? He is. And the thing is, like, you need to get him before he's moving. Right. Because if he's coming downhill, it's not going to be It's fun. a tough win. Yeah, yeah. It's for anybody. <laughs> right. right. Um, but then, you know, after that, my agent calls me. And he's like, hey, the Houston Texans want to put you on the 53-man roster. Oh, man. I'm like, let's go. I start packing up all my stuff. And then he's like, but we're going we're gonna to call the GM of the Colts. Let him know they're going to take you so he has a chance to put you on their roster. Yep. I'm like, okay, cool. Like, I'd stay in Indy. Um, and then he calls me back. He's like, hey, they protected you. <sighs> so during COVID, for those of you who don't know, during COVID there was a rule with P-Squad players. You can protect two P-Squad players a week. That means other teams can't take them on for their 53-man. So now I got protected the rest of the year. The rest of the year they protected you? The rest of the year they protected you. So you're saying they protected you each week after each that? Each week. So – 
It's like I got my. It's like I felt like I got my opportunity, like kind of taking. I kind of want. I was a little mad at my agent. Yeah, it's, it's frustrating. Little, yeah, I was frustrated. You spend your whole life working towards mm -hmm. a goal, mm -hmm. and then you just happen coincidentally to be brought into the NFL in a time where there's these rules that aren't typically in place. Right. It was that. I mean, just like it was for everybody else, it was a crazy time. Yeah. Yeah. So you know, let's transition away from the NFL. You ultimately. Take a, a little hiatus from football, handle some health stuff, get back right from rehab and all those things physically. Well, well, what happened was, all right, so the next year, I'm like, okay, like, what happened the first year happened, like, next year's my year. We have preseason games. Yep. And then, you know, I'm, I'm there. I'm there the whole, I'm there the offseason. I'm training with the team. I'm letting them know, hey, I'm Rob Windsor's ready to go. Yep. And then one day, I just wake up, and I can't move my leg. And it's just like, oh, man, like, reality hit fast. It's like adversity. Right. And then I had to get uh, operations done, and, you know, that was, that was it for my NFL career. So can I ask you, I mean, you wake up with a, with a leg that is not doing anything for you, can't do anything that day. Was it an issue that was lingering before that, that kind of culminated? Um, yeah, I don't think it wasn't something that just happened once. It was just like wear and tear, you yeah. know, just being an interior D lineman. And it's a grind in there, man. It's a, it's, as you know, man. As I know. Lines then, man. I'll tell you what, man, I had... I had six major surgeries, and I had five of them before I got to college. Yeah, that's tough, man. It makes it tough. But that's how, I mean, that's the reality of being a lineman yeah. at any, any type of level that's high enough to where it's really physical and you really have to put your big boy pants on every snap. The body can only take so much. That's right. We're like cars. We only got a certain amount of miles. Certain amount of miles. And I did not have very many miles. Back to you, though. <laughs> your, your hip, your leg, you have a problem there. Yeah. So once that happens, where do you go from there? Um, and that man, that was tough. Yeah, that was like really tough. Uh, I had to, I had to go to get surgery in Nashville. I stayed in Nashville for a year, or not for a year, but for like a few months while I rehabbed there, about three months. And then after that, I had to go to Philadelphia to get my groin operated on. Mm. And then I had to stay there for a little while. And then I wanted to come back to my team, yep. right? Because like that's our brotherhood. That's everything. Yep. You know, the most important thing about football, it's not the you know, the status you get or the money. The most important thing is, like, the brothers. Like, the bond, the fact that I can come back here to State College and we can joke and, and be right. boys, like, nothing ever happened. It's like nothing changed. Nothing changed. Yeah. And then they told me, because of COVID, like, anyone who's on IR is not allowed to be with the team. So I went down to Florida and the uh, Exos, and I was just by myself there. And right. that was during COVID. So that was really hard. So, yeah, I mean, take me through that mentally because I tell people and I tell the viewers back home, you know, if there's one thing I miss about football, it's not sacking a quarterback. It's not nope. taking on double teams. Nope. <laughs> Definitely not room. that. Definitely not, not that. That's actually very low on the list of things I miss. But that locker room, the brotherhood that you talk That's about, it, you're so used to having it every year. Yeah. And it's something that you can kind of take for granted until you really look at it from a big picture perspective. But you go down to Exos, you're by yourself. Yeah. You're kind of isolated during COVID especially. Mentally, how taxing was that? It was one of the hardest things ever, ever. Like, we're, you know, I didn't have my tribe. I didn't have my brotherhood. And it's just like, and I didn't have my, my purpose, my team. And it's just, all these things got taken from me at once. My identity, my job, you know, my, my teammates. And it's just like, go figure it out. So, and then and it gets to the point where I go home afterwards. I coach high school football for a year. Yep. I go play in the XFL. And during all this time, it's just like, when you're, Playing football at this level, this is all you know. And this is, this is, I know this for a fact for all my friends in the NFL right now, all my friends here. It's like, we're obsessed yep. to be at this level and perform at a high level. You can't, this is your identity. And at some point, it will get taken away from you. 
and you will have to reinvent yourself. Yeah. It got to a point where it's like, I'm in this place right now mentally. I don't know what to do. I don't know if this is the right thing to do, but I just, anything is better than being where I am. Yeah. So I just started trying everything until something clicked. And then just, now I'm doing great. I'm yeah. happy. I'm, I'm, I'm doing great in business, great things. Yep. And uh, we're on the up and up. But I want to I wanna ask because... That's a that's a fair point, and there are so many guys, myself included. I went through a period when I got done playing at Penn State. That, I mean, I'm telling you, there was a year, there was a year long period. I wasn't hanging out with people. Mm-hmm. I was isolated. Mm-hmm. I didn't know what to do. I didn't have any money, any per. I mean, all of those things. There are so many football players who go through that process when they're done, where their identity is completely stripped away from them, and they have no idea how to move forward. What was it that allowed you to move forward? It's like what I talked about earlier, you know, I'm sitting there and I'm in pain and I just, I need to do something. I don't know what I'm, I don't know if I'm supposed to become an influencer like Adam Renneman or, or Aeneas Hawkins. Come on, man. I don't know if I'm supposed <laughs> to become a coach. And I just started trying all these things and I just started networking. And I remember I'm like, okay, well, I love football. I know that. I'm like, I'm going to try this coaching thing out. So I called every coach I knew every single day when I got back home after the XFL. And there'd be, there'd be some coaches that didn't answer me for 40 days. Mm-hmm. And, on the four, and I called them every day. Yep. And on the 41st day, they're like, hey, Rob, you caught me at a good time. Just got done with my haircut. What's, how can I help you? I'm like, hey, man, I just want to come and coach a high school prospect camp. Yeah. Like, cool, come. So I put together this whole, uh, I call it a coaching expedition. Yep. I started at UW Marshall with Huff. Yep. Went to VT with Pry. Uh, like I said, UT with Banks, Penn State. Um, you know, Moorhead, uh, Spence in Florida, yep. all these schools. And then uh, eventually I ended up getting an interview to be a D-line coach in the XFL. Mm-hmm. And I actually turned it down okay. because I realized I started, uh, I started doing business in real estate in Nashville. And it's just been going so well for me. It's booming. It's booming. And um, it's just an opportunity. It's, it's, I think I'm a, I'm a businessman now. And part of my calling, too, is to make sure when guys make that transition we talked about, yep. that they're set financially yeah right and it's a it's a it's a deeper calling for me mm-hmm. that way just to help my own kind and it's crazy i'm sure you know that 78 percent of nfl guys within three years of retiring are bankrupt divorced mm-hmm. and depressed yeah 78 percent of them it's insane it's insane so when you look at that you know this is one of the reasons i think nil is important because it gives guys opportunities to to see themselves as a business and get some more networking mm-hmm. and learning and but to me when you got 78% of your guys who are bankrupt after making millions of dollars, there is some type of education gap. They're not prepared. You can blame the NCAA if you want. You can blame the institutions. You can blame who you want. It's the culture, man. We're not going to blame anybody. Listen, they're all a part of the culture. We're all part and of the all culture. of their players are going broke, and they have no vision when they're done. No. So the point being, you know, blame who you want to blame. Blame the culture. You have an opportunity now to help guys that, Yes. Look like you've been through similar experiences and, and they set are, them they're up. Warriors. They're it doesn't warriors. matter what we look like, but at the end of the day, I'm a warrior. I had my hand in that dirt, yep. and when that ball was snapped, it was fight or flight. Yep. And that's all I knew. Yep. And I know there's every other man on that field, that's what it is. Yep. And they don't have time to learn about the things I've learned about. They don't have time to learn about you know, zoning. They don't have time to learn about you know, business and, and, and cap rate and things like that when you're looking at an investment. So that's where... You know, and, and I, that's another thing I see is they get taken advantage of. Yeah. They don't know. You don't know what you don't know. Someone comes like, oh, well, this is the guy Marshawn Lynch used, so I'm going to use him. Like, what right. kind of logic is that? Right. Right. So that's right. where I see myself is like, hey, I was you. I know what you need. Yeah. Yeah. 
That's awesome. That's awesome. It's an authentic approach you're taking, and you're doing it for a reason mm -hmm. that's important. And you had been there. You've been through it already, I've been through right? It. And I've been through the whole, like, ex ecstasy. Like, it might not happen as abruptly. You might not wake up and not move your leg. Like, it might happen, but you even see it, you even see it with uh, guys who, uh, who, who played in the NFL so long, like 12 years. They, yep. they, and then they decide to walk away, and now they still don't know what they to do. They still have no clue. Yeah. I, I want to ask you, because I'm sure the audience back home is as interested as I am, but you played in the NFL and in the XFL. Oh, man. I want to know what some of the fundamental differences were in the XFL. When you got there, what aspects of that league were the most surprising to you? Let me tell you something right off the bat. The XFL is the most fun I ever had playing football. Ever had playing most football. Most fun I ever had playing football, man. It was, it, and it was, it was a little more laid back. Like, like you go out four times a week or you practice three times a week. You <laughs> so know what you're I mean? going out more than you're practicing. Well, well, they had us in this hotel, right? They okay. had us in the, and it was like rough living. Like, the XFL's not making that much money. Right. And we were in this hotel and, like, everybody was getting sick. And I figured it out. Like, I unscrewed one of the vents. Uh -huh. And I'm like, there's all this dirt and dust in the vents. And right. Like, man, the air in this hotel is just not good. Right. So I'm like, we could sit in this dirty air and mm -hmm. get sick. Or we could go to the club. Or we could go to the club. <laughs> <laughs> I think the choice is you know, clear. Either choice, you know what I mean? <laughs> <laughs> That's funny. I mean, if we're going to be around dirty air in a dirty atmosphere, we might as well be having the time of our right, lives. That's right. good logic. It's sound. Oh, man. And it was a great time. We were in Las Vegas. We were in Dallas. We were in Washington, D.C. And it's just a great experience. Yeah. Um, so a lot of fun. And, and at the end of the day, you get your brotherhood back. Yep. And you get to play the game you love. Yeah, and yeah. It, gives, it gives you an opportunity for the guys who want to go back and play in the NFL. You got an opportunity to go put good things on tape. And exactly. realistically, after college, there probably isn't a better option at that point. Exactly. So and I, it's not bad money. No. It's, it's quick. It's uh -huh. quick money. You make 5000 a week yep. per game and then a $1,000 bonus for winning. Yep. Not bad. Not bad at all. I know a lot of people that would be happy with that, very yeah. happy with that. I, I want to ask you from a talent perspective – there's were definitely you, a gap. There, the there's NFL. a gap. Were there any guys that you played against where you were like, okay, this guy has enough juice to maybe go get a shot at the NFL again? For sure. Yeah. For sure. And, but, and here's the biggest thing I saw and why if I did coach, I'd want to be in the XFL is, you know, there, you know, obviously there's more athletic guys in the NFL, but there were guys that are athletic enough to play in the NFL, but the technique and the skill was, just wasn't there. Like I was almost a player's coach. Yep. And my coach kind of got, you know, he didn't like me because I'm out here coaching. Right. But I'm just like, these guys need help, and you're not giving it to them. Uh -huh. And uh, so that was, that's the biggest thing I saw between the XFL and NFL was skill. Yeah. Yeah. You've always been a player's coach. I remember at Penn State, man, number one, and I got to tell the story on the camera. So I was a young player, obviously not playing at that point. Rob was the guy, the starter. So whatever Rob Windsor needed pregame, Oh, you know, man. it was my job to make sure he was ready, right? So Rob Windsor would come get me from my locker every game, clockwork, would find me and would work on pass rush moves on my wrist, which sounds very calm. You may have never had a 300-pound man karate chopping your arms for 30 can minutes. Him? Can we show him? No, we cannot show him. Absolutely I think we not. Should show I still have wrist problems to this day <laughs> from the way you used to attack uh, my forearms. I would, just, I would just have you put your hands out, man. And he would just, he's doing whatever. <laughs> it's ridiculous. And um, you would have your wrist so taped up, Oh, my up, goodness. Man. The trainers would be so mad at me because I wasn't playing in the game. 
And they knew I wasn't playing the game. And I'd come back there, like, tape my wrists. Tape my wrists more. They're like, what are you even getting your wrist tape for? I'm like, you have no idea what I'm about to You have no idea what's about to happen to me. no clue. What's up, everybody? If you are a college football fan like me, if you know a college football fan that's in your life, you need to go cop this shirt. New designs dropping all the time. It's the perfect gift with the holiday season coming around. If you don't have this thing, you're missing out. Great material, great fabric. I wear it all the time. Go get yours today. But you've always been a player's coach. You've always been a, a technique. Hold on, can, before we move on, Please. can you say one more thing? And I think, I remember you telling me this, and I, and, you know, I, when I think to myself, I kind of chuckle to myself, and I would do this at practice, too. Uh-huh. And then yeah. you told me, like, because there's a clock at practice that ticks down, like, oh, you, and goodness. you need to be outside yeah. before the clock's at 30 seconds. And yep. Hawk would hide until it was down to, like, 40. I would wait, yeah. He would wait so he didn't have to give me hands. Yeah. I mean, during the games, I wouldn't, I wouldn't do that, but practice specifically. I'm like, dude, <laughs> I can't, before I go in here to war, fight you before practice, too. I got, I got lions dead. I got to deal with juice scrugs yeah. and yeah. one-on-ones. I'm not fighting uh, you, too, bro. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, I would wait to that clock. And Franklin has a 10-minute rule. So you got to be 10 minutes early to practice. So I'd be ready, like, 17, 18 minutes before. I'd look at the clock. I'm like, nope. I'd go sit in the stall full pads and scroll my phone <laughs> until right before. Yeah, good times. Yeah, that's funny. Um, last thing I want to ask you about, Coach Franklin, Penn State football, you know, they want to get over that hump. They've been really good for a long time but haven't been able to get back to the Big Ten championship. When you look at the program and where it is now in comparison to when you left, what things do you see that are positive that indicate to you that Franklin and the Nittany Lions one day can get back to prominence? Well, the way you got Fra- Franklin is the guy. There's no question about it. All these fans out here who are questioning Coach Franklin because he can't beat Ohio State. I mean, not that he can't. He did it in 2016. But right. we're talking about the number one team in college football right now. And yeah. that's consistently great. Every year. Michigan, consistently great. Yeah. And we're in one of the toughest divisions in all of college football. Yeah. And the, Only going to get tougher with USC and UCLA coming yes, too. Yes, yes. And, you know, there's so many factors that come into winning football games that, you know, you, you, can't, you can't just pin it on one thing. For example, look, look at what happened when we won in 2016. You know, we blocked a field goal. We returned it for a touchdown. And, like, la- last year, you know, we were sitting there. We were, we, we were, I was at the whiteout game. Yep. I, I thought we were going to win. You know, there's just so many uncontrollables that happen in a football game that yep. – that you can't control. And as, but as far as running a program from top to bottom, bringing in top recruits, you know, controlling the things you can control, right? There's a lot of things you can't control. Yeah. But as far as controlling the things you can control, I don't see anyone better for the job. Yeah, and that's the thing. There's such a small amount of head coaches in college football that you can even argue are better than Coach Franklin based on his resume. I mean, right. every year he has a top five to ten recruiting class. His guys really aren't getting in trouble. They're doing good things in the community. They're winning a lot of football games, been to all kinds of New Year's Six Bowl games. I think the frustrating thing is for myself and for the fans and for everybody involved, they've been really good for so long. And that margin of error to go from really good to consistently great and elite is so tough to close. And am I talking, talking to Aeneas Hawkins or am I talking to James Franklin? Do I sound like James Franklin <laughs> right now? I spent a lot of time listening to that man ramble on, man. It's hard. No, but I hear you. I hear you. But the last thing we need is, you know, we bring in someone else and now we're not even, now we're not even good. Comple- I agree. Right. And it can, I, I think sometimes as fans now, we have to check ourselves. I think, I think fans get, um, what's the word I'm looking for? They get, uh, they get greedy. You yeah. know, they get greedy. They don't understand. It's, you know, it's, sometimes it's hard to listen to because they don't really know what it's like running a football program. Yeah. Being, lead, leading a group of alpha males because f- 
football, all football players, that's what they are. They're alpha yeah. males. To be able to lead a group of, of killers like that yeah. is not an easy task. No. And no. you know how I think Franklin does it? Because Franklin is not, you know, he's not Mike Tyson. He's not The Rock. He's not the mo- biggest, most physically imposing guy. But what you can never question about Franklin, you can never question about him. You're going to get the same guy every day. Mm-hmm. He's going to be on his P's and Q's. His system, his process, it's going to be run to a T. He's not going to tolerate it. And it's not easy. Like you said, you got a group of alpha males. you got to gain their respect some way. Mm-hmm. And you really can't question the man and how he works. No, I'll never forget. Like, he leads by example, too. One day we were walking into Pagula. Uh-huh. And yeah, you keep that handle <laughs> on my shoulder. It almost <laughs> got crucial. Do we, we got to work hands? He doesn't want Go ahead, though. Uh, but we were walking into Pagula, and as you know, or not Pagula, but the Haluba. Haluba Hall. As you know, there's those doors that come up, like the yep. electric doors. And he was walking, and somebody pressed the button. Mm-hmm. And it came down on his bald head. His, <laughs> his bald head. It came down on his bald head. Yep, split him open it real good. Cracked him open. Yeah. And, and the trainer's speaking. He's like, we need to take you to the hospital. I mean, and he's like, no, practice continues. <laughs> yeah. and, I'm, and I'm like, yeah, all right, coach. All right. Yeah. So, you know, he leads by example because that's yeah. what he expects from us, too. Yeah, no I'm doubt. Like, all right, all right, coach. Yeah. yeah. Last thing I'll say about Coach Franklin, now that we're on this Franklin tangent, he has a pregame routine where at the pregame breakfast or lunch, whatever it is, depending on when we play, you know, we're all in our travel warm-ups. And he walks behind every player, unzips their jacket, mm. and will smack, I'm talking about smack their chest. Mm-hmm. Coach Franklin may not look very muscular, very scary. The man is heavy-handed. He's heavy-handed. Oh, when he lays his hands on you, you'll feel yeah. especially the way he did it to you. Well, if you, that's the thing. So it depended on who you were. So the one guy I remember he never did it to or wouldn't do it to was Kevin Gibbons. Kevin Gibbons, my Kevin guy. Kevin Gibbons was 285 pounds, a walking muscle. He didn't talk very much. And Coach Franklin knew not to touch Kevin Gibbons' <laughs> chest. He never even tried. No, Kevin was a scary Like, I wasn't, obviously I wasn't scared, but he was a scary guy. Like, he had a blank face. He was pretty emotionless. And he was just, like, he just looked like a ball of muscle. Yeah. I remember, so I, I'm obviously a freshman D-tackle. At that point, Kevin Givens is the man. Like, he's, like, balling. He's the guy And I he's watch. still with San Francisco he's, right now. And he's with the 49ers doing his thing. Mm. I remember coming in being so excited to meet KG. Yeah. So excited. And Kevin and I had a good relationship, and he always had my back. But we may have had like seven conversations over the course of six months. The kid is just a he's, quiet yeah, guy. He just, just, like, we have a joke. Like, you know, we still have the wild dog group chat from the 2016 team. Uh-huh. And so, like, once in a while, we'll randomly text. I'm like, I bet Kevin's, like, somewhere just standing at a wall right now. <laughs> just yeah. at a blank wall. Yeah. He was a, he's a classic example, lead by example. You may not have much to say, but you watch the man in one-on-one pass rush, you can learn a lot. Oh, man, he's a, he's a, he's a savage. The guy's a dog. Yeah. Rob, appreciate you joining us. All of our audience, thank you for tuning in to another right. episode of The Lion's Den. Stay tuned for more content from state media and The mm. Lion's Den as a mm. whole. And if you haven't copped your merch yet, I've said this too many times. Link is in the description. Go get you a hoodie today. And give me a follow, and at Robert Windsor 54 Let's at go. At Rob Windsor. Big cheese. Thanks for joining Big us. Big cheese, baby. <laughs> My dog. Appreciate you, man.